I would like to give thanks to the ancestors, known and unknown, those who have paved the way for us to survive this moment of time and to have a reference point to use as a blueprint to deal with these hellish times we are living in. I would also like to give honor and reverence to the woman of the universe for your superior work, for bringing forth the spiritual information through the triple stage of darkness of your womb and giving birth to God. We would like to give reverence to the universe and praises to the indigenous. My name is Raheem Shabazz and this is Necessary Blackness Podcast. Necessary Blackness Podcast, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognizes no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. Hey, Atlanta, have you heard? True Laundry Detergent is now offering free shipping in the Atlanta area. Just text the word TRUE to 404-493-0523 or give us a call. That's 404-493-0523. True Detergent is four times concentrated and perfect for those HE washers. Just one ounce removes dirt, brightens fabrics, and leaves each load with a clean, fresh scent. Best of all, True contains no animal products, and it's safe for sensitive skin. Follow us on social media, True Detergent ATL. Award-winning producer Raheem Shabazz continues the Elementary Genocide documentary series with the School to Prison Pipeline. That film exposes the social engineering done to African-American children in the school system. And his other film, Elementary Genocide 2, The Board of Education versus The Board of Incarceration, takes an even deeper look at the history of the American school system and how it was made to justify subjugating black Americans. These films are on track to be the most discussed films in black America. These films feature people like Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis Kretz Welsing, and many, many more. The documentary is available right now at elementarygenocide.com. That's elementarygenocide.com. Peace and power, black family. This is your host, Raheem Shabazz, and we are here for another episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast, and I'm sitting here with Michael M. Hotep of the African History Network. Now, many of you are familiar, or if you're not familiar, you're about to get familiar with Michael M. Hotep. He is a talk show host, a researcher, a lecturer, and writer, and he has over 30 DVDs. That's right, you heard me. 30 DVDs of him speaking. I only got two DVDs, and I got another one coming out. But that's another story. But Michael M. Hotep, in addition to having 30 DVDs, he also has an online course where he teaches black history. It's a live online course. We're going to sit here today and we're going to talk to him. Now, Michael M. Hotep is in town because he attended the 6th Annual Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Expo. If you do not know about that, that is one of the premier conference and expos that deals with homeschooling and that's held every year right here in Atlanta and shout out to the sister that holds that I I can't remember her name offhand 
I, I know her name. I just don't want to pronounce it because I mess everybody's name up. But shout out to that sister. She's doing good work with that. Now, Michael M. Hotep, yes. welcome to Necessary Blackness Podcast. And I want to ask you about your experience at the Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Expo. All right. Well, uh, Raheem, thanks for having me uh, here on the podcast. And uh, I was a presenter uh, at the 6th Annual Expo and also a vendor. So uh, this is my fifth year there, okay? And uh, the founder is Queen Thais, uh, so she does a fantastic job. Um, So they had a number of workshops uh, on all different aspects of uh, homeschooling uh, African-American children from an African-centered perspective. Um, I was there. I did a presentation. I was the last presentation on Sunday. And my presentation was on African-American resistance in the era of Donald Trump, um, voter suppression, reparations, and how elections have consequences. Uh, Sunday was the economic summit, the Black Seeds Economic Summit. So they realized um, last year that in addition to teaching homeschooling and homeschooling our children, we have to have an economic empowerment component also because we need to teach that to our children as well. So there were, um, on Sunday, there were presentations and a panel discussion dealing with uh, economic empowerment from different uh, uh, aspects of it. And they also uh, screened the film Black Friday, What Legacy Will You Leave? from uh, director Rick Mathis. And we had a panel discussion. Um, after that as well with some of the people who were in the film, Dr. Chike Akua and um, uh, Delzino Wilson, his wife Deborah and myself, and uh, also a young 10-year-old dynamic uh, sister named Kennedy. So if you're not familiar with that sister, you're going to find out about her also. So people were uh, really receptive to the information and, and blown away by the information. So I think each year is going to get better and better. Now, Michael M. Hotep, you spoke about your presentation, and it was called African Americans Resistant in the Era of Donald Trump. That title alone, my brother, is real telling, especially in the times that we are living in today. Can you elaborate a little bit on that, what that presentation entailed, and why is it important for us as Africans to resist a person of Donald Trump's uh, I don't even know what to call your president. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, the name of the presentation, um, African-American resistance in the era of Donald Trump, uh, voter suppression, reparations, and how elections have consequences. So this was actually a presentation I uh, originally did in Detroit, May 27th for African Liberation Day in Detroit. And this year's theme was... Um, uh, reparations, rebellion, and resistance, because we're coming up on the 50th anniversary of the Detroit Rebellion, which started July 23rd, 1967. So uh, this presentation, I dealt with a few things. I dealt with uh, the rise of Donald Trump, because uh, you know this time last year, we were at the Black Homeschooling Conference, and nobody thought <laughs> Donald Trump would be president, you know, when we came back the following year. So I dealt with parallels between how Richard Nixon became president and how Donald Trump became president. Because um, Richard Nixon became president in 1968. He ran on the platform of law and order. Okay. He ran on the platform of law and order. 
And Richard Nixon was a backlash to uh, the civil rights movement, the black power movement, civil rights act of 1964, voting rights act of 1965, affirmative action of 1965, all these advances that African-Americans were making. Richard Nixon was a direct backlash to all of that. And the, the concept of law and order basically means to protect white people and lock up black people. So then when you look at Donald Trump, Donald Trump also ran partly on the platform of law and order, and uh, he's a direct backlash to two terms of President Barack Obama, a backlash to the Black Lives Matter movement, protests against police misconduct, police killings of African-Americans, unarmed African-Americans. All, all of this, Donald Trump is a, is a direct backlash to, uh, to all of that. And then if you look at how Richard Nixon failed. His his uh, his fall from the presidency. Well, he was forced to resign from office. Articles of impeachment were drawn up, but he was not put on trial. He resigned from office before he was put on trial. The first article of impeachment was obstruction of justice. The second article of impeachment was abuse of power. And if you look at Donald Trump, you see it appears to be obstruction of obstruction of justice with the firing of uh, FBI Director James Comey. And you look at other things that are taking place, you look at possible collusion with Russia. So you see parallels in uh, Trump and uh, Nixon. And, and we also talked about how Trump is systematically reversing a lot of policies that President Obama had in place, which were actually beneficial to us, but we didn't even know they existed. So we see May 12th, his attorney general, Jefferson Borgar, Sessions III, uh, former U.S. attorney, uh, U.S. Uh, senator from Alabama, they just redeclared the war on drugs, May 12, 2017, reversing a President Obama era policy because President Obama instructed his attorney generals, first uh, Attorney General Eric Holder and then uh, Attorney General Loretta Lynch, not to charge low level uh, nonviolent drug offenders with the longest, harsher sentences, the longest, the longest, harshest sentences. OK, they backed away from that policy. And this helped. Uh, along with some other things to uh, reduce the overall U.S. prison population. So the U.S. prison population right now is the lowest it's been in about 20 years. It's down to 1.53 million. And there was a report that came out from the Department of Justice in December 2016 that talked about this. And they cited policies from President Obama, changes in state corrections, um, also um, uh, using... Uh, re rehabilitation for drug users, things like this. So you have a number of policies that were put in place that had a big impact, a big positive impact on the uh, prison population. And we see the prison population declining. Well, we see a reversal in those policies from Donald Trump. See, Attorney General Jeff Sessions called the uh, 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 Attorney General Eric Holder called it smart on crime. Jeff Sessions calls it soft on crime, and he's bringing on uh, people to the Department of Justice who think like he does. And this is going to be detrimental uh, to us. And what we see is across the board, we see cut, uh, uh, the Trump administration cutting funding to the civil rights departments in the Department of Education, Department of Justice, uh, the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency. We just saw Mustafa Ali resign from the Environmental Protection Agency. We know we're disproportionately impacted by uh, asthma and different things like this tied to the environment. So all of these things are things that we have to be aware of and fight back. A lot of these things we don't even know exist.
You talked about the scandal following Donald Trump Jr. and his alleged collusion with Russia. Do you think... Well, before before you answer that, let me ask you this, right? I've been reading about what's going on with Donald Trump, and a lot of people don't know. More people now than ever supports Donald Trump impeachment now than Nixon at the start of Watergate. So that's a good sign, right? right. But on the flip side of that, there has never been a United States sitting president that has ever been impeached, convicted, or removed from office. Correct. A lot of people think Richard Nixon, but he resigned. Correct. Could Donald Trump be the first? Well, the difference here is that the you have Democrats who are pushing for impeachment, like Maxine Waters or um, Representative Al Green, but the Democrats are in the minority, okay? So they're in the minority in the House of Representatives, all right? Uh, it's about 237 Republicans to about 194 Democrats. So what I think is going to happen, what I've been saying for months, is that I think Donald Trump is going to be forced to resign from office just like Richard Nixon. Uh, when Richard Nixon resigned, he was the first sitting president to ever resign from the office of president of the United States. It was unprecedented until it happened. Um, I don't really see the impeachment happening because they don't have have the votes in the House of Representatives to do it. But I do see uh, Trump being forced to resign and more and more information is coming out. We see confirmation of this meeting that Donald Trump Jr. had with Russians. Uh, there are one or two people who at this time, we don't know who else was in the meeting. I think you may find out that um, Russian ambassador to the U.S., Sergey Kislyak, was in that meeting. I think you may find that out because Sergey Kislyak was at the... Uh, May 10th meeting with uh, uh, Foreign Minister uh, Lavrov at the White House, but nobody knew Sergei Kislyak was going to be there. And this is the Russian ambassador that all these people met with and lied about meeting with them. And then we find out later that they met with them. So I think you may find I think you may find that out also. So you know I, I tell people you know when I do radio in, in Detroit on nine ten a.m. the Superstation when I do the African History Network show I tell people if you were shocked when Ali beat Foreman's behind wait till you see Donald Trump resign because I think he's going to be forced to resign from office. I don't know I might have to disagree with you and this is why I say that white supremacy when it comes to politics they are winning right now and when you have a Gnostic in office such as Donald Trump, he's not going down without a fight. Like, he's not going to voluntarily resign. Well, if you look at what happened with Nixon, there were uh, Republicans who put pressure on Nixon to resign. He didn't voluntarily resign. There was political pressure put on Nixon by senators, by members of his party to resign. And if you look at, look at just what happened this past week with Joe Scarborough, uh, co-host of uh, Morning Joe on MSNBC. He said he's leaving the Republican Party. He said he can't stay in the Republican Party anymore. He can't defend what's going on. If you look at what's taking place right now with Fox News, the, some of the journalists on Fox News, not the Sean Hannity's or the Tucker Carlson's, but the actual journalists, the the Chris Wallace's, the, the, the Shepard Smith's, they're coming out and saying, look, this this is indefensible. They're, they're, on Fox News, some of the journalists are even realizing, look, this there's no way to defend this. This is just wrong. So the tide is turning 
And you're going to have, I think, there's going to come a time when all this information is coming out. And the other thing is, this is accelerating much faster than Watergate. It took about two years to get a special prosecutor on Watergate. It took about 118 days into Trump's administration to get a special prosecutor. This, All this information has come out much faster. This is accelerating much faster than Watergate. So I think you're going to find that uh, political pressure is going to be put on Trump as more and more of this information and evidence comes out. I think you're going to find political pressure is going to be put on him by people in his own political party because he's going to become so toxic, they won't be able to get anything accomplished. And he hasn't passed he hasn't passed any major legislation either through both branches of the government and signing the law. He hasn't passed any major legislation. His, 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 his presidency, for the most part, has been a total debacle. With the exception of the U.S. Supreme Court, which that nomination was stolen from President Obama and held over for, for Trump. All right, you heard it, ladies and gentlemen. This is Raheem Shabazz, and I am sitting here with Michael M. Hotep of the African History Network. And for those that are not in the know, and for those that don't already know, Michael M. Hotep is in Elementary Genocide 3, Academic Holocaust. I was just showing him a little behind-the-scenes footage. And um, it's all good over here. But what we're going to do, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk to Michael M. Hotep about the East St. Louis riots of 1917. We're going to talk about the riots of 1919, which was known as Red Summer. What led to those riots, why it happened. And if it could happen again, especially in the era of Donald Trump. Stay tuned, family. Necessary Blackness Podcast. And I'm your host, Raheem Shabazz. Persons interested in broadcasting a commercial can reach us via email at necessaryblacknesspodcast at gmail.com. Necessary Blackness is distributed on all major podcast platforms iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, SoundCloud, Podomatic, and Google Play. We'll also promote your business and product across our various social media networks, reaching over 100,000 people daily. Tune in for the drop. I am Dr. Kira Taylor, and when I'm tired of listening to fake news, I will listen to some real news, and I will check into the Necessary Blackness podcast with my friend Raheem Shabazz. Raheem Shabazz is one of my guys from way back, and you're now listening to his show, Necessary Blackness Podcast. Stay tuned. This is Akua of Cultivated Roots Media, and I choose to tune in to Necessary Blackness because staying connected to my blackness is very necessary. Peace. This is Prince Culture Law, and I stay tuned into Necessary Blackness Podcast with Raheem Shabazz. Peace and power. This is E-Reporting Live, and you're tuned in to Necessary Blackness with my boy Raheem Shabazz. Yeah, this is Professor Ed Garns, founder of The Wonderful from Afros to Shell Toes and Sweet Tea Ethics. When I am not spreading liberation theology throughout my classrooms as an African-centered therapist, I am chilling with my homie Raheem Shabazz on the Necessary Blackness Podcast.
It's essential. Hey, what's going on, man? It's Arthur Emma Henry here. Whenever I want to get the latest on politics, social life issues facing our black community, I tune in to Necessary Blackness with Raheem Shabazz. This is Shalee. When I'm not in the gym, I'm checking my son out on his podcast each and every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Make sure you check out Raheem Shabazz. Peace and blessings, beautiful people. This is your girl, Ashton Brianna. Just wanted to get out here and let you know that Whatever you're doing, no matter where you are on Wednesday night, you can tune into Necessary Blackness, the podcast. Check us out on iTunes, Google Play, uh, where else? Anywhere. And you get to listen to me. So why not? Necessary Blackness. Wednesdays. Hey guys, this is Evan A.G. of Having My Say Radio. When I'm not having my own say on my radio show every Monday from 9 to 11 p.m. on Love 860, I am tuned in to the Necessary Blackness podcast with Raheem Shabazz. This is Chi-Town's finest, Khadidra, and when I'm relaxing, I enjoy listening to Necessary Blackness podcast with Raheem Shabazz. Yo, this is Cambino, and when I'm riding down Stony, all I listen to is Necessary Blackness podcast with my guy Raheem Shabazz. Peace. This is Zaza Ali. And when I am not studying the science of the universe and the laws of creation, I am listening to the big homie Raheem Shabazz on Necessary Blackness. Make sure you support. Peace. Yo, that's what I'm talking about, man. You'll hear it here first. (laughs) Now our feature presentation. Peace and power, black family. We are back with our special guest in the studio, Michael M. Hotep of the African History Network. And for those that don't know, Michael M. Hotep is a historian. The brother has a lot of knowledge, and he's going to talk to us about the St. Louis riots that happened in 1917, a very pivotal moment in history because during that time it was around the time of war world war one so michael m hotep can you tell us the significance of that time why the riot happened and if it's a possibility that history can repeat itself especially in the era of donald trump well the east st louis riot of um, 1917 that starts uh, july 2nd 1917 and you had um, white people attacking African Americans, dragging them from the uh, trolley cars, uh, beating them up on the street, killing them, shooting them down. Um, what happened was you had tensions when it came to uh, labor. Okay, there was a labor strike at the aluminum ore company, and this is during a period of time, a really pivotal time in our history. Um, This is in 1917. World War One is going on. When a lot of white men go to war, um, it creates a labor vacuum, and and a lot of these jobs are going to be filled by uh, African Americans who were moving from the South up north. So you're going to have the population uh, between 1910 in 1910 the population in East St. Louis was about um, six thousand, and by 1917 it almost doubles. So you have uh, more and more African Americans moving up each week. They're seeking uh, job opportunities. Etc. And it's it's uh, you had white people feeling that they were being pushed out of uh, job opportunities. Also, there's more competition. Uh, you have this strike at the aluminum ore company, and the uh, company is going to hire uh, African Americans and, and and other white people to cross the picket line and to work. Okay, and this is going to cause tensions and it's going to explode uh, July second. 
1917. So you're going to have um, uh, eventually the mayor at the time is going to have to call in the National Guard to um, put down th this violence perpetuated by, by white people. So this is just one of uh, many race riots that's going to take place. You, you see some during World War One, but two years later, during the uh, red during 1919, uh, the summer of 1919 was known as the Red Summer because you're going to have over 25 major race riots that break out across the country in 1919. Now this is the year after World War One ends. A lot of these white men came back home. They couldn't find jobs because um, African-Americans and immigrants were doing a lot of jobs they had when they went to, to war. And you're going to see these tensions explode across the country. It was said that the, the streets of America were uh, running with blood. That's why it was called the Red Summer. OK. And when you look at race riots that break out, um, usually they're either over uh, labor issues or labor shortages, et cetera, over jobs. Uh, they are over political power, um, uh, trying to keep African-Americans from voting, uh, political power. You look at the Opelousa Massacre of 1868, uh, something like that, or the Wilmington, Wilmington Massacre of uh, 1898. Or they're over um, African-American African men allegedly raping a white woman or looking at a white woman or smiling at a white woman or dreaming about a white woman, something like that. Those are usually the reasons why you see those type of riots. Can it happen again? Um, a race a race riot on the level of East St. Louis, um, it's possible. I don't know if it's probable because African-Americans are armed more today than we were then. We were armed then. OK, that, let's not be let's not kid ourselves. We were armed then. But even more so today, we're more we're more armed. Uh, what could happen is uh, you'll see rebellions like a Ferguson, Missouri or a Baltimore. OK, whereas African-Americans rebelling against police. That's a that's a different type of uh, that's a different type of occurrence than a race riot like that. So. um in I know people talk about race wars happening, et cetera. What 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 you will see, I think, before then is what you saw a few weeks ago when you had a disgruntled white male who shot at uh some Republicans. You're gonna see white people rising up possibly and fighting against the Republicans because they see who's trying to take away their health care. They see who's passing draconian laws. They see who's having massive budget cuts in the budget. So you, you so white people are seeing what's going on and you're going to see you, you see them standing up all across the country with protests against the U.S. Senate and the House of Representatives so they don't take away their health care. OK, so you're more likely to see things on that level. OK, then I think you will a. um a race riot like uh, 1917 in East St. Louis again. Black people, that is some history for you. That is from our historian, Michael M. Hotep. Unfortunately, Michael M. Hotep, he has to leave. He has to catch a flight back to Detroit. But I want to thank the brother for coming and blessing us with his presence. It was hard getting him here. <laughs> you know, I got I caught him at the last minute. And um, you're definitely going to hear more from this brother 
You know, this is his first time on the podcast. It's not his last. So in your closing words, what do you like to tell the Necessary Blackness podcast listeners and how can they find you on social media? Absolutely. Well, first of all, we have to understand that we have to have a synthesis between African history and culture, which gives us our foundation. It gives us our VIPs, our values, our interests and our principles, our values, our interests and our principles. As two of my teachers, Dr. Leonard Jeffries and Professor Jane Small teachers. And you have to have a synthesis between the history and culture and economic empowerment and political empowerment. They all work together. Okay. And, uh, you know, we have to understand what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So you can visit my website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, you can order my DVD lectures there. I have over 30 of my DVD lectures. You can read my articles. You can listen to my radio shows. Uh, you listen to my podcasts and my shows. I'm on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation every Sunday night, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We have the information there how to listen. And I'm on the morning show on 9, 10 a.m. out of Detroit. Wake up with Steve Hood, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time also. And uh, listen to the African History Network show on Blog Talk Radio every Thursday night, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Follow me on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, at uh, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. And our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. We have uh, almost a million followers there of the African History Network. So uh, once again, I want to thank Brother Raheem Shabazz uh, for putting me in Elementary Genocide Part 3. Look out for that uh, August 22nd, 2017. Keep listening uh, to the podcast of his shows as well. Keep uh, supporting this brother. We need more African-American controlled and owned media like this. Extremely important. You know, Malcolm taught us about the media. Malcolm X, he told us, he taught us that the media is the most powerful entity on earth. They have the power to make the innocent guilty and the guilty innocent. And that's power because they control the minds of the masses. So we have to use the media uh the proper way to to educate and empower and inspire people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. That's what we do at the African History Network. So also keep up the good work, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the conclusion for us here at Necessary Blackness Podcast. Make sure you tune in each and every Wednesday at 6 p.m. And you can also check us out on iTunes. You can check us out on Google Play and subscribe to us at Necessary Blackness podcast at gmail send us your email and let us know who you would like to hear what you would like to hear and send us an email and tell us what a good job we're doing peace